0: We should be very careful about artificial intelligence. We are summoning the demon. Hey, welcome back to the Babylon Singularity Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Herter. Today we're going to answer the question what is the mark of the beast? To answer this question, we're going to borrow on some of the work that we did on the last episode. So if you haven't listened to the last podcast episode about what is the beast, I would encourage you to take a listen to that before you jump into this episode because there's going to be a lot of overlap. I'm building upon that last episode to dig into the answer the biblical answer to what is the mark of the beast again this is a like the question of what is the beast the question of what is the mark of the beast has gotten a lot of attention from authors and uh you know movies and all sorts of different um people thinking through it throughout the ages of course you know Um, People have had answers to what is the Mark of the Beast for a very long time. And it seems like, you know, maybe we've settled on at least the um, again, the kind of left behind series, the Tim LaHaye, Jerry Jenkins uh, book series that was, uh, you know, popularized, turned into a movie um, is, I would say, probably the general answer that most Christians who believe that Bible prophecy that the book of Revelation is yet future, you know, you call that position a premillennial position, that they believe that these prophecies are yet ahead. The generally accepted answer is similar to the answer um, that we found in the last episode, right? And so to to understand that, to just borrow from the Left Behind series, um, the beast traditionally has been answered I think it's, it's a guy, it's a, it's a dude, right? It's, it's the Antichrist, the beast is the Antichrist. And I, I, I totally slaughtered the antagonist's name in, um, Left Behind series on that last episode. I apologize for that. His name is not Nikolai Karkarkar Karpov. It is not. It is not. I couldn't think of it. And I I was like, oh my gosh, that guy's name's Nikolai Karpathia. Nikolai Carpathia, right? So, you know, traditionally the answer to, you know, what is the beast? Oh, the be- the beast is a a guy, it's a dude like Nikolai Carpathia who at the end of the day just to sum it up, you know, I try not to be obnoxious, but to sum it up, he's like a Dracula Hitler um james bond kind of guy um where you go like okay yeah this is like the devil in the flesh so he's definitely got the dracula vibe so he's probably from you know transylvania somewhere um probably sleeps you know in a coffin during the day um and but also a very uh savvy political leader and he leads the the world government against whatever okay i'm just gonna go ahead and admit i've never actually seen left behind i've never even read it i'm just going off of kind of like what wikipedia told me so um but that's generally the the accepted and i should have done just a little bit more research to understand what left behind says about the mark of the beast but generally um the answer would be yeah that Nikolai Carpathia is gonna have a oh man, a pope, religious leader type sidekick, who is gonna tattoo everyone with some sort of like UPC code that you've got to scan your UPC code in order to buy or sell. Which, all in all, I mean, when you when you think about it, like that's not bad. I, I'm not hating on that at all. I'm not hating on that scenario one bit and I'm what I'm definitely not doing is I'm definitely not hating on anyone who believes in that scenario. If anybody believes like they that's the scenario, Nikolai Carpathia, um Antichrist Dracula, Hitler, James Bond guy comes along um deceives everybody and then he has his religious leader sidekick who tattoos everyone on their right hand or their forehead with a UPC symbol, so that the UPC symbol can get scanned, so that they can go about their daily lives. Like I'm not, I'm not hating on the concept. I'm not hating on the people who believe that that's what's going to happen. Like I'm, I'm cool with it. My contention is this: that now that we understand that. A lot more possibilities are opening up to humanity as we enter into the age of artificial intelligence. We really need to rethink how we see these prophecies. Like, there's no reason why we have to stick by the left behind scenario. There's nothing in the Bible that says, "Hey, you know, if if Jerry Jenkins and 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 Tim LaHaye wrote that, then then you better believe it because." This is like, you know, the Bible 2.0. I I think even if you ask those guys, they go, yeah, it's not the Bible 2.0. This is our best shot at it. We we did our best. Like, and that's totally legit. Like, we're all sitting here trying to do our best with prophecies that are very um, intense, number one. Relatively complex, number two. And very difficult, like if God's seeing, if God is declaring what's going to happen right at the end of the age, there's going to be technological capabilities that will be opened up that we're not aware of today. We haven't been aware of over the, the past few years. And so even the de- the decades and, the, you know, hundreds of years, even thousands of years, like there is every excuse for us to get these prophecies wrong because we don't understand the technological capabilities that are being opened up. But now that we are beginning to understand these things, now that we're entering into the age of artificial intelligence, we have to reconsider the Nikolai Carpathia UPC symbol tattoo. We have to. Here's why. Because if we spend our time waiting and watching... For a Nikolai Carpathia guy to come along with his religious sidekick to tattoo us with a UPC symbol so that we can buy or sell, we are not going to be looking for the right thing, right? We're going to be looking for the wrong things. And my contention is it's time to start looking for the right things because we are heading into, yea, already crossing the threshold into the age of AI. And we are needed more than ever to be preaching the gospel, declaring that Jesus is coming back and understanding Bible prophecy so that we can expose the deceptions and not be confused by them. Because what's going to happen if we're waiting for Nikolai Carpathia and a UPC symbol to be tattooed onto us, and that doesn't happen, but potentially an super intelligent AI is created to govern the earth, and there's a really cool billionaire type guy who wants everybody to merge into it, That's going to be really confusing because neither Nikolai Carpathia nor a UPC symbol tattoo is involved in that scenario. And right now, as it's turning out, a lot of people are already getting on board with the guy who wants everyone to merge with AI. They think he's super cool. He makes really cool cars and he makes cool rockets. And yeah, it's kind of weird, the whole satellite thing, you know covering, blanketing the earth with satellites, that's weird, right? Drilling a hole in everybody's skull, that's kind of strange. But hey, he makes cool cars and rocket ships. So how bad could he be, right? Um, my contention is if we understand what the Bible's actually talking about in these prophecies, we will be aware of the deception. We won't be confused. We won't be blindsided by it. And we'll be declaring the gospel with clarity, operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, and fulfilling our calling, which is what we're here to do. We're not here to be confused because, you know, we put too much weight into the left behind books. We're not here to be like thrown every time we see something weird in the news, be like, oh my gosh, where is this world going? Yeah, it's intense out there, for sure. So in the, and then in the confusion, of course, you know, people, you know, have, you know, they come along and whatever the the thing is, the flavor of the day thing is, you know, oh, that's the mark of the beast. Oh, that's the mark of the beast. Oh, that's the mark of the beast. Whatever the thing is, right? And So like right now, it's what, September 23rd, 2021. And, you know, our nation has lost its mind over COVID. The leaders haven't, haven't had a clue what to do with this thing since the beginning. It's, it's all very sad and oh, just ugh, my heart just breaks about the whole situation. But, of course, now they're trying to, like, push a vaccine that doesn't even work on people all over the place, in. Completely nonsensical ways, and people are like, "This is the mark of the beast. This is the mark." So now the vaccines, the mark of the beast. But here's the thing about the mark is it's a little bit different. You know, I'm I'm not saying get the vaccine. I'm not saying don't get the vaccine. I you decide. That's it's your body. You decide. You know, I'm not even gonna tell you what I'm gonna do or not gonna do. That's that's between you and the Lord. God God gave you that body. You put in that body whatever God says you can put in that body. Um, you know, man, whatever. It's it's your call. You are free in Christ. to do. It. I'm going to tell you, it's not the mark of the beast. I'm going to tell you, like, if you get it, like, I don't know what all happens when you get a vaccine. Like, I don't know. Um, but I can tell you this, that I can't tell the difference between somebody who's gotten the vaccine and somebody who, who hasn't. I'm walking through town, like if I just come, like if I, if I encounter you, I don't know if you've, you're vaccinated or not. I don't know. Right. Like you would have to tell me and you'd have to be truthful about it. Like either, yeah, either I do it or I don't like, that's the only way I'm going to know that, you know, if you've been vaccinated or not, there's no visible outward sign that you've been vaccinated. Now that may come along. And maybe that comes along and it marks everybody in the right hand their forehead. And then I go like, okay, we need to rethink this situation. But right now, I can't tell if you've been vaccinated or not. And so right there tells me this vaccine thing, good or bad, right or wrong, not commenting on it, is not the mark of the beast. Because there's no outward evidence that somebody's been vaccinated, right? So we just go ahead and cross off. My point is this. Whenever, you know, things pop up, we're very quick to go, this is the mark of the beast, this is the mark of the beast, this is the mark of the and I want to quell the confusion and make it very plain, very obvious from the Bible what the mark of the beast is. And that's what I want to do in this episode. So you can just chill on the all because there's gonna be other crazy, stupid things the government's gonna tell you to do, no question about it. And it's going to be up to us to decide, like, this is a crazy, stupid thing. Am I going to do it or not? Like, yes or no. Your call. Follow the Holy Spirit. That's all I can tell you. Obey Jesus. Obey the word of God, Uh, number one. And if if you die for it and somebody comes along and kills you for it, hey, you're good. Right? I mean, that's that's what I could tell you about just addressing this issue. That's what I'm not. I'm not here to, to address the issue. But to address the confusion, because this confusion is only going to escalate as, as time comes along, because um, there's just going to be more stupidity coming from the pipe, just popping nonstop stupidity from our government, stupidity from our culture, stupidity from quote-unquote experts, right? Just nonstop, nonsensical stupidity that it's going to be very easy to go, oh, this is the mark of the beast, right? That's the mark of the beast, right? Just chill on that and let's understand what the Bible says about it so that we can go, yeah, that could be, might not be, or this definitely is. I want to be able to give you the matrix, the biblical prophecy matrix, so that we understand where this thing is going and we are standing in clarity, standing upon the word of God and doing the will of God in our generation. So that's what I'm hoping to do today. So to understand the nature of the mark of the beast, the first thing we need to ask is what is a mark? Why why a mark? Like what is the what is the significance of it? This mark functions as a seal, okay? A seal, you know, back in the old days, you know, you, you hear about, you know, the the tomb of Jesus was sealed by you know the Roman soldiers who were keeping watch over it. Which, you know, when you put the Roman seal on something, it symbolized and signified the royal authority of Rome. So to break that seal was to Just to say, like, yeah, um, I defy the royal authority of Rome. Of course, in those days, Rome reigned supreme on the earth. And to break a Roman seal would most likely result in a crucifixion. Right, They're going to make a public display of those who defy the royal authority of Rome. So when the soldiers, you know, are tasked with, hey, make sure like this whole Jesus thing goes away They're, you know, his followers believe he's going to rise again. We got to make sure that this is, you know, this is done away with once and for all. So we're going to stand guard over this. We're going to keep watch of it, and then more more importantly, we're going to seal this tomb with the seal of Rome. It was a mark, an outward symbol signifying the royal authority of Rome. So of course, when Jesus arises again, the angel comes and rolls the the, the stone away. Um, I'm. Just guessing, they may have giggled a little bit while they snapped that seal in two. Like when the angel from heaven comes in, it's like, all right, Jesus, time to get, you know, we're rolling this thing away. Um, that. Oh, and by the way, we we cracked the uh the Roman seal back there. I don't know. I don't know if you noticed that or not. I, I don't think they were sweating that. I don't think the angel was like, ooh, man, uh oh. Now we gotta deal with Rome now. Like, I'm pretty sure like that wasn't even like an afterthought. They're like, what, what was that thing? <laughs> That's the beauty of human authority. Like to God, it's just like, what? Oh, you put like a thing on there? And, like because if somebody breaks it, you're gonna do something about it? Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what you, like, like God's like, I will I can break you in in ways that you cannot even imagine I can break you I just don't because I love you and I want your best. I want the best for you right but this Roman seal of authority and then again we see and I I want to Um, I want to just take a minute to, to consider the significance of a mark or a seal right so if a King or someone in authority was writing on behalf of uh, the Roman authority, or or even if if it was a king, um, they would seal the letter with a with a wax seal that would to note that this letter is from the king, or was from was representing the royal authority, or. In the case of Rome Roman authority So you could put a seal They would have a little ring They would take wax from a candle They would pour it on the crease of the letter And they would stamp The the wet um, Melted wax With their ring That would signify Hey this is legitimate This is has the authority Royal authority Um Governmental authority Um attached in this letter. So when you see that seal, you know where it's from, and you know that letter carries authority with it. So this seal is a declaration of, this is mine, okay, right? Like the king puts a seal on it. He's saying, this letter is from me, right? With Rome, it's a little bit different. There wasn't a king. It was, you know, the the, the authority rested in the people, and the the people altogether created the Senate and the people of Rome that, you know, so, so if you were messing, if you, if you defied Rome, it, was, it wasn't just that you were defying the king, you were defying something much, you know, bigger um, than a king. But nonetheless, the reality is the same. The mark, the seal, represented the authority And the authority is saying, this is from me, and this is mine, right? This letter is mine, and it's from me. Simple, right? Very simple. We actually see this reality playing out when John has a vision on the Isle of Patmos in uh, Revelation chapter 5. You can turn there. I'll just read this. Lord, we ask you to open your word. And show us mighty, wonderful things about you and who you are and about your truth. Verse 1, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll, written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? and it's seven seals, right? These are the seven seals or the, this mark, right? Now this, the sealing and the mark all relates to the mark of the beast. And I'm just, I'm giving you the context of what we're talking about. And in, in, um, I'm gonna start with the heavenly perspective and then I'm going to uh, move into the counterfeit or the devil's version of the mark and the seal, right? So you can kind of see where I'm going here. Just bear with me as we just kind of understand what's going on here before I delve into the negative, demonic, evil counterfeit of God. Of God's sealing and marking, right? So we see God's sealing and his mark right here in this passage. John's looking into heaven. He sees him who is seated on the throne, and in his hand there's a scroll, and the scroll is sealed with seven seals, right? And so, like you imagine, like the wax. Seal of the imprint. Well, who has sealed this document? God Himself. So, this is from the highest authority. When we're talking about a king or, you know, a royal authority stamping a seal on a letter denoting the origin of the letter's authority this is what this is what we're talking about here this is God himself sealing this document with his seal saying this is coming from literally the highest authority of all from God himself and they're looking around saying who can open this thing Who is worthy to break these seals? Now, we know who was worthy to break the seal of Rome on the tomb, right? God broke the seal. You know, he sent an angel to go, yeah, go ahead and snap the seal of Rome. Don't even worry about it. Don't even think about it. It's not, no, it's not, literally not even a concern. Like, it's not even an afterthought. God... God's authority was greater than the authority of Rome. Even though that the authority of Rome was the greatest authority on earth, God's authority was so far beyond the authority of Rome, they snapped the seal and don't even think about it. This is different. This isn't the authority of Rome we're talking about. This is the authority of God himself. So the angel that would actually roll away the stone as high as that angel was and as like laughable as it was for that angel to snap the seal of Rome without even a thought, that angel wouldn't dare touch these seals here. Wouldn't dare. Like, you know, they're looking around like, oh, wait, where was that angel that broke the Roman seal on the tomb? Surely, you know, he's worthy to open uh, uh-uh. Nope. Nope. Not the highest angel. Not the most pristine saint. There was no no one in heaven, no one on earth that had the authority to break the seal of God. But there was one who was worthy. One was found worthy. That same one who is worthy to die on a cross for you and for me. His life was worthy to pay the price. And once he paid the price, he was given a name and exalted above heaven and earth. Above the highest heaven, given a name by which... Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and things under the earth, of course. They're kind of like, oh, yeah, under the earth, too. <laughs> not sure even who lives under there, but uh, probably dead people. Um, every knee will bow because Jesus is, has been given by God the highest place. And Jesus himself says, all authority in heaven and in earth is given to me. So John looks up to the lion, the tribe of Judah. When he looks to the lion, he sees the lamb that was slain. Says verse 5, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. He can open the scroll. He could open the scroll. Jesus Christ is worthy. The lion of the tribe of Judah. John was weeping. The scroll couldn't be opened. No one was worthy to break the seals of God. No one had the authority. And then weep no more. Look to the lion, the tribe of Judah. John looks, he sees the lamb who was slain, the worthy one. He is worthy to break the seal, the royal symbol. God's saying, this is my document. This is my scroll. This is from me, and I'm writing it. I have sent this document to be read and declared and prophesied. But there's no one who can open it. No one but Jesus. So it is Jesus's authority that qualifies him to open the scroll. No one else shares that authority. No one else is worthy to open the scroll, to break those seals. But God, with his seal, saying, this is mine, no one can break it. Now, this is very good news for you and me. Because when God seals something, no one can break it when he says, this letter is from me and it's mine, no one in heaven, no one in earth, no one under the earth can break those seals. Jesus alone is worthy. God himself is worthy. So when God seals something, it is sealed. When God marks it, It's his. When he says, this is mine, it's his. So the way that translates into your life and in my life is that when we repent of our sin and when we believe in the Lord Jesus, God seals us in the same way that he sealed that scroll. He marks us with his name, with his nature, with his image. How does God mark us with his name, his nature, and his image? How does he do that? He does it with the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives and our hearts. When we repent of our sins and we believe on the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in to live within us. We become a temple of God, a temple of God's Holy Spirit. Paul calls it a seal. In 2 Corinthians 1:22 Paul says that God has set his seal of ownership on us. He has put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit to guarantee what is to come. He has sealed us and given us his spirit. It's a guarantee the same way no one in heaven or earth was found worthy to open those scroll, to open the scroll and break those seven seals, except for Jesus. When God comes into your heart and into your life, he seals you with that very same royal authority that cannot. God marks us. He seals us. With His Holy Spirit, and when He does that, He is sealing us and marking us the same way a king would use his ring to press into a mole, uh, a a wax, into a wet wax, into melted wax, and imprint His royal image, His name. His nature, his royal authority, and seal that letter to say, This is mine. This is from me. And it carries the same weight and authority of my kingdom. Royal authority that cannot be broken by any lesser authority. Now, a greater authority could break it, right? Like, God could come in and snap the seal of Rome in a second and not think twice about it because God's authority is greater than Roman authority. He had no problem snapping the seal of Rome. Now, you and I go snap the seal of Rome, that's going to be trouble for you or I because we don't have that authority, Unless God gives it to us somehow, theologically speaking. But if we just go and go, ah, yeah, well, you know, whatever the seal of authority is, eh, big deal, break it. You're gonna end up in jail, you're gonna end up executed, you're gonna end up having a bad day if they catch you. For God, He's not worried about it, because God can come in and break any authority on earth. Anytime he chooses, and that's exactly what he's going to do at the end of the age. When he returns, he's going to break all human authority, smash it into dust, and the wind's going to blow it away. All that work, all that, all those man hours, just blowing away in the wind. But he's going to establish his kingdom with his king on the authority, and his kingdom will increase forever. So when God comes into your life, when he makes you a temple of his Holy Spirit, he is effectively sealing you. He's marking you. He's saying, you're mine. He's marking you. He's imprinting you with the image of his son, the way a king would imprint the wax with his ring. This is a guarantee that we belong to God. So it's God saying, you're mine. That's it. It's over. That is the glorious reality of the sealing and the marking of the Holy Spirit being marked with the image and the nature of the Son of God, the restored image of God. So now that we understand the positive heavenly reality behind being sealed by God. Now we can turn our attention to Revelation chapter 13. Go ahead, open up Revelation chapter 13. This is the opposite. This is the counterfeit of God's marking, his sealing, okay? This is the devil marking the fallen. Open up to Revelation chapter 13. This is in the second half of Revelation chapter 13, talking about the false prophet, right? This is the second beast who has two horns like a lamb, speaks like a dragon. It exercises all of the authority of the first beast, It performs great signs, making fire come down from heaven in front of people. By the signs the false prophet is allowed to work, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast. Verse 15, it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast may even speak. may cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. We're going to zero in on verse 16. This is where we get into the mark of the beast. It causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. So that no one can buy or sell unless... He has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This marking is how the devil claims his own. Here is the, the stark reality is that all of humanity will fall Under one of two umbrellas. They will either fall under the umbrella of belonging to God, the Creator, evidenced by the Holy Spirit, the marking and sealing of God's image in His Son, Jesus Christ, or humanity will fall under a separate umbrella under the dragon, Apollyon, the destroyer, marked, sealed by a device that is implanted on the right hand or the forehead, an externally visible mark, not invisible, it is visible you can see it it's something that is part a permanent fixture on the forehead or on the right hand that says one thing it says that these people who are marked in this way belong to their father, the devil. Now, that doesn't sound like a very nice thing to say about people. Like, who wants to tell somebody else, like, hey, you're of your father, the devil. But the reality is, is is John, sorry, not John, (laughs) John told of how Jesus said this very thing. If you want to open up John chapter eight, John chapter eight tells of Jesus's encounter with the Pharisees. And he says in in verse 44, Jesus says, he says, you are of your father, the devil, right? In other, uh, Versions of the Bible, it says, You belong to your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he lies out of his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Verse 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is because you are not of God. So Revelation chapter 13 tells of a mark that is a visible, permanent It's not reversible. It is not reversible. External marking that identifies the fallen as belonging to their father, the devil. So there are two umbrellas. There are two ceilings, two markings available to humanity and each of us. Must choose. The choice falls to us. To be one with our Creator, the God of heaven and earth, who seals us with the highest authority, there is no higher authority than the Holy Spirit of God that comes into our lives and seals us and guarantees that Jesus will raise us up on the last day. It is the marking of the image of God, Jesus Christ, brought into us by the Holy Spirit. Or we are marked by the name and nature of the devil. The opposite reality. The counterfeit. So, Revelation 13 tells of a savior type false messiah who would come to point humanity away from their creator and mark the fallen with the name and nature of the beast. Now, last episode, we talked about what is the beast. We broke up the beast in two primary components. There is the human component, and there is the non-human component, right? There's 10 kings that make up a human network of intelligence, and there are seven heads that make up a non-human network of intelligence. And what is this non-human network of intelligence? It's revealed in Daniel chapter 7 as being made of metal. Who makes things out of metal? God doesn't make things out of metal. I mean, I've never seen anything that God made out of metal. I know he, I, he puts, you know, metals in the earth and we got to melt them and put them together how we want to. I've never actually seen the devil make anything out of metal either. So the only folks around here that make things out of metal are humans, right? So this last beast, this fourth beast is made out of metal. It is made by humans. So this non human intelligence network is man-made it's a technological monstrosity this thing when daniel sees it it says his color changed he like the blood left his face like he was like this thing's freaky he's terrified he's it's a monster it's terrifying he uses these words over and over again to express how troubled he was by what he saw. He saw a technological man-made monstrosity that John sees as a seven-headed leopard with feet like a bear and a mouth like a lion. So Daniel sees a technological monstrosity. John sees a non-human network of intelligence that is like a a an apex predator, a leopard endued with intelligence, speed, and lethality. That's the non human. So the beast is a Combination of this human and non-human network of intelligence that functions as a single entity. And John says that when the fallen are marked with the mark of the beast, it says they are marked with the name of the beast and the name of the beast is a number its digits numerical so the nature the name slash nature of the beast this man-made technological monstrosity of non human intelligence networked together is digital. Its name nature is digital. And so when this false prophet comes along to unite the fallen together with their father, the devil, he does it digitally. He's merging together the fallen with their father. So we know that the false prophet is coming to point humanity away from their creator into the hands of an entity that consists of human and non-human intelligence network together that functions as the governmental entity that rules the final empire. The mark of the beast is a physical... Outward, permanent symbol of an eternal reality. That those who join with this entity, this final entity that will rule the earth until Jesus destroys it at his return, that the fallen belong to the devil. Because over this whole beast, this merging of human and non-human intelligence together as a single entity, over it all is the dragon, the devil, who's leading the insurrection, this rebellion against God. The mark of the beast is a digital tethering of the fallen with the dragon with Satan. So what does this all mean? Like what what is that? How does that work out? Conceptually we can understand it from the Bible. We can understand conceptually okay, we understand that this mark of the beast is a demonic counterfeit to God's marking of the saints with the Holy Spirit. So they are imprinted with the name and nature and image of God through Jesus Christ. Like we understand this is the counterfeit of it. So this is Satan coming in to mark, to claim To mark them with his image, with his nature, with his name. The fallen are marked with the name, the nature, and image of the beast. Conceptually, it makes sense. How does this work out in real time? How does this play out in history? Well, right now, like if you took that concept and go, okay, we're waiting for Nikolai Carpathia to come along with a religious sidekick to tattoo us with our with the UPC symbol, we are going to miss what is happening in the age of intelli- uh, artificial intelligence. So what's happening in the age of artificial intelligence is a merging of man and machine. So when a guy like Elon Musk comes along to tell you, hey, we've got this really great opportunity to merge ourselves with artificial intelligence so that we can go along for the ride we should pay attention. We should think to ourselves, hey, that scenario sounds familiar. Elon, you're telling me that I need to turn away from my creator in order to tether myself digitally to a non-human network of intelligence. We should go, hmm, I know this isn't Nikolai Carpathia and I know this isn't his religious sidekick telling me to get a UPC symbol tattooed on my hand, but this sounds suspicious. This doesn't seem right. In fact, this sounds exactly like the mark of the beast prophesied in Revelation chapter 13. So we need to begin to rethink some of these things, saints. We need to begin to understand like, hey, this is coming at an angle that maybe we weren't expecting. That the biblical reality is far greater than we imagined. That God, in his infinite wisdom, perfectly explained what will come to pass in the last days. For our benefit, so that we can overcome, so that we can do the will of God, so that we can walk in clarity and prophetic insight to declare the name of Jesus and not be confused, not be afraid, not wonder, what's where is our world going? Where is this? This thing is this thing's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, but God saw it and he described it. And my contention is that Left Behind misses it. And we need to begin to understand that this thing is far bigger than a popular Christian book series. As much as I love it, as much as I love the the heart behind it and the folks that have believed it, I, I love so much of it. It's just not biblically accurate or sound. And we just need to... Grow beyond it. We need to really be rethinking these things as we head into this age of artificial intelligence. God has a plan. Jesus is on the throne. And he has called you for such a time as this, to be his witness. Because, yeah, the devil's going to have a few years to do his thing. But then Jesus comes and it all belongs to him forever. So we can trust him in that. So I hope you're blessed. I, this episode, I'm not even sure. I feel like I could do this episode a lot better than I did today, but I did it and I'm just going to kind of move on. Um, I may circle the wagons on this episode at some point and go, eh, let me, let me tweak a few things, but, I think I covered the bases for the most part. So I hope you're blessed by what you're hearing. Um, If you can, shoot me a little uh, encouragement on on social media. Maybe, you know, go to my website, BabylonSingularity.com. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Shoot me an email. I would love to know you're out there. I'd love to know you're blessed by what you're hearing here. So God bless you, saints. Remember, let's be watching, praying, proclaiming the gospel that concludes this episode of Babylon Singularity I want to thank you for tuning in if you're looking to hear more from me you can find me on twitter as well as my website babylonsingularity.com I've also authored a book titled Babylon available on Amazon I look forward to hearing any thoughts or feedback comments that you may have to help me make this show better. I do hope it's a blessing to you. And I hope that you'll tune in next time to Babylon Singularity.